Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who wishes he had as bitchin' a mustache and as cool a jean jacket as any person in this movie. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm the Adam Glass, and uh, it's mostly the jean jacket thing. The jean jackets are fan-fucking... Uh... Man, we, we lost something. The society lost something. Because there was a time period where literally every man in America was walking around in a jean jacket. Yeah, but only only every man in San Francisco made it look good. That's true. Okay, every man in San Francisco in the... Because I've, I've watched way too much. Well, there's your problem. Any of the weird assholes who show up at road rallies, extremely unsafe road rallies, <laughs> those fuckers look great in jean jackets, probably because they know they're going to die. The knowledge of that is, is it really affects the way you wear a jean jacket, I think. And a mustache. Can I tell you the funny thing, the reason why I thought about mustaches and jean jackets? Rumi had no context for what movie I was watching. In like, hadn't seen most of it. And I was watching like the last five, like, forget, not even like the last five minutes. It was just like a random piece in the middle. And she's like, <laughs> all the, there was like, I think it was like one of the marches he was on. And, and, and everybody in the entire picture, except for Harvey Milk, is wearing a jean jacket and has a mustache. And she's like, wow. What's going on with the fashion this? And I was like, it's the 70s. I don't know what to tell you. Pat, before we get into the movie this week, I do want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get access to some bonus content. I don't like the way you say that. I'm sorry. You make it sound salacious. It is salacious. But it's not fair to make it sound salacious. I should hide the salaciousness yes. of, our, of our Patreon? I wanted to surprise people. It's part of the fun. Okay. Every month, we put together a list of non-criterion films for our supporters to vote on, uh, and then they do. They do vote on them, and then we watch that movie that they pick. We have a lot of fun over there. Watch a good mix of movies. Never as wide a mix of movies as the Criterion Collection actually offers That's impossible. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do actually occasionally Uh, watch animation and or documentaries over there. So, Criterion is a little better about documentaries than animation, certainly. But uh, uh, we should be we should be watching more animation. We, you Maybe should I'll dedicate yourself to year. finding animation that fits the theme of something we watch during the, the yeah. month because it will never we'll happen do. in the Criterion Collection. That's all at $1, and, yeah, very grateful to all our $1 supporters. But a little above that, $5 uh, for folks who can help keep us going a little bit more, help pay our, pay our bills, which is all we really ask for. Uh, all we need is somebody to pay those server bills. And, and love. Um, we need love. We like to thank those... And eh, server bills, then love. That's my hierarchy okay. of needs. Uh, Food is somewhere way down love. at the bottom. You tell him he's wrong <laughs> about everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, those five dollars supporters we do like to thank on air. So thank you so much to our current five dollars supporters: uh, Stephen Goldmeyer, Eric Coronado, Chris Otto, and Andrew Jarrett. Thank you. A bit above that, we do something pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently every month, and I get that printed up on a postcard and write a little personalized note, send that out monthly. If you like bespoke art, you like you like getting mail, 
Who doesn't? I love it. Sign up for that $10 mark. We also like to thank our $10 supporters on air. So thank you so much to Nia Bojnak, Tracy McGrath, Adam Speakerman, Patrick Galco, and Jason Westhaber. Yes, thank you. If you want to see those $10 postcards without committing to that $10 mark, you head over to redbubble.com, search for Lost in Criteria in there, and you can bypass postcards for much more, much cheaper than $10. Much less than $10. Uh, We're really, we've yeah. really screwed up the economics on this. Yeah, yeah, the economics are Redbubble store are, are uh, we don't make money basically. No, I, um, we're just lucky they don't charge us money to have the store. Frankly, that's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, like I, I think I think it's set to like ninety five percent of every sale goes to Redbubble right now. I've got I've got such low margins set up on our Redbubble store. Head over Redbubble, check out those postcards. You can buy them as postcards, as greeting cards, as stickers. Uh, some of them as buttons when the art has worked out. And uh, occasionally some other things when I feel a whim and click the right box or click the wrong box sometimes. Uh, and then the magic happens. Another thing that happens is Redbubble pre-populates clicked boxes for products with what, what its algorithm thinks this artwork will work on. And sometimes I miss turning one off. So, See, uh, but now maybe. I want to know what the things that you are turning off are because... I'm I'm really curious if there's like some really wild ass shit that we could be we could be signing up for. Uh, mostly phone covers, and none of the phone covers, none of the art actually works for phone covers. But phone covers is one I always have to turn off. What if I uh, start purposely making the art so it fits on a phone cover? And just, you can do that if you want. I don't think it'll fit on a phone co- phone cover and a postcard. But do do you? Yeah, I don't want to uh, make more than one version. Yeah, that sounds like hard work. <laughs> exactly. We don't want hard work. Uh, anyway, thank you so much to everyone who has purchased anything off that Redbubble. Thank you to all our Patreon supporters, and thank you for listening. Yes, thank you all. Pat, this week we are talking about our first documentary in a while. I don't know when our last documentary was. I can't I think have no it. idea. It's been a long time. Crumb. Crumb would have been our last documentary, almost for, okay. almost certainly. Um, But yes, you do just have to go through that list and say was. Uh, try to remember. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure Crumb was recently enough that that it would have had to have been. Uh, there have been some really fantastic documentaries over the years in the Criterion Collection. Uh, yeah, no, they. Not. I mean, when they do pick them, they pick good ones. The problem is, is that like they just do it so rarely that it's yeah, kind of upsetting. And they did they did kick us off with the worst one. Way back when, our first documentary in the Criterion Collection was Nanook of the North, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I mean, they really wanted to set the set the tone by saying, like, look, all of these are just versions of this. Yeah. And that's not entirely untrue. No, it's not. <laughs> but it, it is a very, uh, it is a very, it is a, a what I would call a, a very harsh critique of documentaries yes. and and also somewhat uncriterion-like. Indeed, indeed. Ah, but this this week it is The Times of Harvey Milk from 1984, directed by Rob Epstein. It's a phenomenal movie. <laughs> I guess yeah, I gotta yeah. put that up there first. I mean, it is. Uh, it, I was, it, I, if if anything, I would say that it is maybe a little light. Like, there's all those extra features, and I understand yeah. why he did it the way he did it. Like, I get I get why you tighten it up, right? Because you're like, because you could have infinite number of people go on infinitely right uh but it, 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 you know i was like wow this is a 
when I got done, I was like, that was very short. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 90 yeah. minutes, and uh, on the Criterion release, there are three hours of bonus material. Yes, of extra people it talking is, that could have been yeah. in the movie. Yeah, it is literally twice as much. Uh, and a lot of that stuff is like retrospective. A few of the bonus features are dedicated to Gus Van Zant's milk in comparison to the times of Harvey Milk. Um, and that's, yeah, interesting enough. Um, but, yeah, a good a good hour of that material is unused interviews, pre-production interviews uh, from people who did not end up being featured in the Times of Harvey Milk. Now, I will say that the, the sort of, I guess, cast, for lack of a better term, uh, that Epstein chooses to feature is a good mix of people and, yes. and perhaps the proper the proper mix of people. Right. That is why I, I was trying to be as clear as I could that like I don't yeah. I understand and I also think well done, like very like excellently chosen. It's just sort of like, oh man, I could have watched a lot more of this. Yeah. Um I will say one one thing that does seem a little out of place. I think I think the documentary works as is, but the fact that he had a half hour of interview with Scott Smith, with Harvey's longtime partner, um, and that Scott is not in the movie at all, feels a little weird to me. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I can see how. So here's the problem, right? The guy's making a documentary, and he starts like sort of thinking about well, what's the logic, what's the sort of like through line of the documentary and like you kind of i can I, I can sort of start to see how i don't know if it's necessarily the right choice or the wrong choice or anything like that there probably isn't really a right or wrong choice right but you can kind of start to see where okay you have essentially chosen a list of people with whom he had like strong personal impacts in a sort of public sphere Right? right, and then this would be the only person where it was like truly private sphere, right? And then also, yeah, the, the my, you know, my only pushback against that necessarily would be that for Harvey Milk, especially the personal is political, right? I know, I know, I so <laughs> I, that's why I don't know that it's I, my guess is that yeah. there's there's probably some logic, like some other things going on there. Yeah, um, I wonder if maybe it was just a little bit maybe too too soon to um yeah it's possible you know in this you know like i obviously you know it wasn't too soon to give the interview but i wonder if it was maybe too soon to see it on film yeah yeah you know what i mean kind Um, of feeling yeah and that's something that van sant's milk does Rectify is probably the wrong word because I don't think there's a problem to fix here, but it does change. Um, Zant's obviously drawing a lot from Times of Harry Milk. I don't know if you've seen Van Zant's No, I have not. I have Um, not. I have not seen it in years. I believe I saw it around when it came out. I I may have even seen it in theaters, actually. Um, But but it draws heavily on this as, as influence. But James Franco's character in that movie is... Uh, is Scott and features fairly prominently um, just looking at the toll that being 
a public political figure took on their relationship and it did right. take quite a toll on their relationship and scott scott talks about that in uh in his bit and james franco talks about it when in a couple of the bon- at least one of the bonus features um but yeah yeah the the bonus features on this are just the movie itself phenomenal, but the bonus features are. So yeah, I mean, much, I had to. So I eventually had to give up on the bonus features. Right, like, not, not. It wasn't bad or anything like that, but it was just yeah. so much. You can't watch them all, and then there's also two essays, and then there's kind of two additional essays because in 2020, Criterion put out two more essays: one written by Epstein himself, and and one as a, one as a from a film critic doing a retrospective on the on the piece. Uh, so, uh, if you search the current. On Criterion.com for for Harvey Milk, you'll get you'll get four like decently long thousand word or more <laughs> essays. Um, so there's there's just a plethora of information around this right. film, and that's that's generally been true about Criterion's uh, political documentaries, trying to get trying to get as much context as possible into them, right. Um, is very interesting. There is some stuff here that I could definitely do without. I understand why Criterion would want to put it in, but it it seems sort of both sidesy in a way that we don't need. <laughs> like uh, in 2003, on the 25th anniversary of the assassination, there are a lot of events, and three of those get featured in bonus features. One is uh, a candlelight memorial that happens every year, but they particularly went to the 2003 one. Right. One is an event in which Harry Britt, the person Diane Feinstein uh, appointed to replace Harvey Milk as uh, city supervisor, um, giving a speech. And one is a, it's one of the longest bonus features too. Uh, it is a panel discussion between the current in 2003 deputy district attorney and Dan White's uh, defense. I attorneys. did not watch that one. I was like, I don't. I read the description. I was like, Why do I need this? I don't need this. And then it just doesn't really to need to be on it. there. The it it is interesting, and it's not interesting. Mostly, I don't need it. There is pushback from them uh, for getting labeled as the Twinkie defense because, as they point out. And and this is accurate to the arguments they were making at the time too, um, and the the movie suggests even, and obviously popular culture, the Twinkie defense idea suggests that uh, they were blaming Dan White's consumption of junk food for his actions, when in fact they were pointing to his consum- increased consumption as of junk food as indicative as a of the depression. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're yeah, they're right to do that. But most of most of that piece is is nitty gritty how uh how the defense worked and why they did what they did. And if you were a defense attorney, uh <laughs> maybe some very fascinating stuff. Uh if you are uh someone who thinks that Harvey Milk did not get justice. Not that great to watch. Um, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of... um, It does feel like they just sort of took everything that they had and just put it all oh, on the DVD kind of yeah. thing. 
Um, <clears throat> it, yeah, I don't know. I will... I... Go ahead. One one sort of interesting thing about that, uh, completely periphery to all of this, an interesting thing uh, that that started me off mad about that panel discussion is that the deputy district attorney, uh, in introducing himself, um, he's an ex-cop, and he's openly gay, uh, and he credits Harvey Milk with his ability to be openly gay and the head of the homicide division of, of the San Francisco right, Police Department. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta love it, man. You gotta love yeah. it. This just weird bullshit. Yeah. Um, and he talks about how he was actually a police cadet uh, during uh, the White Night Riots, the night of uh, Dan White's uh, acquittal. Or not acquittal, but the, when the verdict came out, he didn't get acquitted. Obviously, he did go to prison. Right, but although um, I mean, like, yeah, it was yeah, but obviously uh, a very upsetting verdict. Yeah, um, but he was he he talks about and he's open about this. Talks about being very closeted at the time, and that he uh, he volunteered. Like the night the verdict was passed, he was actually going through baton training and volunteered to go. And beat some people uh, with his riot baton. control. He's very open about, but also views his current position as somehow different to that position. Right. Uh, yeah. Which... I mean, that's that's the way. Like there, it is. A, it is. Uh, who was it? Who's given the interview about the idea that like we're talking about the idea that you can't like maybe you know your your Rolex and your and your fucking pasta machine are uh, less important than what than Ronald Reagan's. Uh, stance on homosexuality and and you know gay rights yeah. right i forget i forget yeah, I don't who know which interview it was it they, but it was a line that really struck me because it's like yeah it is it is that that very liberal like um sort of modern liberal like neoliberal sort of thing it was like ah thank god for harvey milk because now i can be a a fucking cop <laughs> yeah it's like fucking hell man yeah um, I don't know. I don't know if it is particularly within the film. Tom Amiano uh, has a few things that get close to that, talking about you know you can replace a glass door, you can replace a police car, you can replace right. uh, property, but you can't you can't replace milk. You can't replace any person, right? And that's uh, and he in one of uh, one of the twenty fifth anniversary uh, for the candlelight vigil, he speaks as well. Specifically, comes out and calls out complacent liberals and uh, and homophobia on the left uh, in in what he you know, what he talks about that night. And then there's also I forget who it was, uh, but introducing the movie for the Castro's premiere for the premiere of it in the Castro, uh, the speaker calls out rich gay people. Which gay men for supporting Ronald Reagan because of that's his that's the one I'm thinking. That's where he talks about yeah. he talks about Ro- Rolexes and pasta machines and like you know right right yeah are they are they worth it for like w- the man who's going to put in a Supreme Court that's going to take away every right you have right right yeah and that's you know where where this movie really hits home for me across the board the bonus features obviously have some of that but but it's in the movie itself is this very clear and real idea that whatever whatever wins 
get made for milk and and all of milk's uh confederation you know all all of the 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 coalition he's building across across labor and and racial barriers this is stuff that could disappear right and well and we and we've we seen see in really recent right. years like a really <clears throat> intense erosion of essentially every yeah. possible gain right, right? It, it not, and not just yeah. for for gay people but basically minority groups across the board right and um yeah and the, a lot of that does stem from a, a certain sort of like ah once you have the right they, it's impossible to take it away sort of attitudes um right we don't need to worry about and, this it's set in stone yeah um, and Epstein Epstein and Tom Amiano and some of the other people they they interviewed um for this film saw the Anita Bryant and the the Briggs initiative stuff as backlash against Keynes made right in the late seventies, and then the uh, the the bonus feature comparing, talking about both this film and Van Zant's Milk, uh, is filmed in seemingly late two thousand eight two thousand nine, um, or or just after that maybe, and talking about you know, uh, California legalizes gay marriage, and then Prop Six gets pushed through right making it illegal again within like six months uh and of course you know that's still years before auger fell years before gay marriage is legalized on a national scale and just two weeks ago uh the supreme court uh using a completely fabricated case uh, right, said, yes, hey, maybe yeah. it's okay to to discriminate against uh, gay customers as a business um, if it goes against your religious conviction or whatever. And, well, and and we've seen like, especially when um, what was it like recently, right? How um, you know the sort of attacks on uh, you know trans rights have like immediately oh, folded absolutely. back onto like, well, now that we've won these battles, let's turn our eyes towards the gay community again, like. Yeah. It's like and how there's the, no how the, there's no there's no like there's no like upper limit to how far that right. that will go, right? Yeah. And how those arguments have always been the same arguments. Like the right. all the Yeah, they're identical. All the trans they're, right. Yeah. Well, it's really amazing rights. because we see one of those arguments in this movie like as a yeah. as a hallmark of things that Milk is fighting against, right? Is this yeah. like argument that somehow like, you know, every every gay teacher is a like a is a you know, is moments away from from you know molesting yeah. students, right? And it's, like, yeah. it's the same shit we get with like it was the same. It's the same shit that that they that like you know was used as part of the rhetoric about trans rights, and then yeah. now has folded back into like things like like the don't say gay bills and stuff like that in Florida, right? So it's like yeah, the guy. It's really amazing. The guy, uh, the guy in the film who talks about the Briggs Initiative as being a uh, being about parents' rights, just. I know it blew 50, my mind. It was like whoa, fifty damn years. Yeah, no, no, pro- fifty years and basically zero, zero ground. Right? Like it's just yeah. Structurally, the film is really interesting. There's a one of the guys who actually shot B-roll for the film is uh, the head of the documentary department at I think it was uh, UC Berkeley, and he John Else, and he's got he's got one of the introductory uh, bonus features, um, and he talks about the three act schedule of this 
as being something he generally doesn't like in documentaries, but says it works here. But the three-act structure of this really, really hits right and works really well. Right. Um, and also the the way it opens sort of in media reis uh, on the day of the assassination with with Feinstein announcing the assassination and that Dan White is a suspect and that guy yells Jesus Christ and then we and then we bounce back and learn about Harvey Milk's political career. Um, but not back too far, you know. We don't talk about Har- Harvey Milk's childhood too much, you know. Right, I mean, we very, uh, yeah, we, we very, very briefly gloss over, like, the pre-sort of success political... Yeah. Um, right. You know, attempts and stuff. Talk but, about... Like, really, it, it, it's very compressed. Yeah, and we talk about, you know, his failed his prior failed campaigns, but we talk about them in the context that, that he's building building relationships through all right, of this right. and that his organizational paradigm is uh, if we want people to care about gay rights, we have to care about Chinese-American rights. We have to care right. about labor. We have to care about, yeah. Um, and True, and that sometimes, honest uh, coalition sort yeah. of building ad- right. attitude, right? And that sometimes means voting for something you wouldn't otherwise vote for, but that doesn't mean letting go of your ideals um, and playing that politics. And, you know, Milk is... If if I believed in electoralism, Milk Right, milk is exactly, the, right, yeah. The, the pinnacle well, of Well, you know, of that's the thing, right? Is it like done. we're also talking about a sort of different, uh, kind of interesting and different time and place, right? Like... Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of that kind of stuff in there, right? There's still like of sort of there's a sort of that predominant belief at the time, it, it, like still some people have, but I feel like is waning of the, this idea that like you know the process can work if you know you know if good people are engaged with it and that sort of stuff, right? Right, it tends right. to be sort of the dominant attitude, right? Like, uh. It is how you end up with like fucking like heads of the homicide department attributing right. to their right. their personal success to Harvey Milk, right? Like you can, it, you can see that the the sort of like right there, right then and there, the sort of negative effects there. But like, um, yeah, no, it's one of the like real obvious examples of it, at least for me, was when they started talking about the the White Knight riots, right? And then like you kind of bounce back and forth, right? You've got the guy who's like, you know, fuck property, right? Like, that doesn't... Yeah. None of that actually mattered, right? Like, all those, like, windows and stuff can be replaced and everything like that. And then we hop to this, the another woman who is sort of like, you know, I got really angry, and then I realized, you know, this isn't what he would want, and this is like, that's not how we do things. And, like, but, like, sometimes that is how you should do things, okay? Like, sometimes right. that's a good way to approach things, right? Sometimes you need to make yourself, like, truly and honestly problematic, right? Right. Uh, yeah. And, and not and in the, like, oh, you're marching on the street and, like, people don't want to, like, won't, don't want to deal with you. Because, like, uh, I'm, it calls to mind I was, uh, like, uh, I've been occasionally watching, going back and, uh, watching i think it's uh it's oh no yeah i've been watching uh was it arrested development mm-hmm. and uh they they go to protest they uh, like um 
I can't remember the name of any of the characters in the show, but they go to pre- protest like the mil- a military convoy moving, and they put him in the freedom box, which is just like yes. a like a one meter by one meter cage. Yeah, nowhere well, near where the where the where the where the, where the trucks are going. And it's like, yeah, I'm glad you really you know that's that's what you're yeah. talking about in a lot of ways, right? Right, right, right. And th- yeah, two th- the early 2000s were a particularly egregious example of of free speech zones around right. uh, around status quo political events uh where where you could only protest within this certain area and you may recall i I think we've talked about on the podcast before but we had you and i were doing a little project years and years ago um where we had we went downtown with with uh, cleveland with a bunch of uh cardboard signs that just were like random uh uh pop culture references and one was an eye chart i really loved that one um and had me hand, holding them around downtown Cleveland, but as soon as we as soon as we started unloading the signs, we had two cops oh, walk up to us. Yeah, within minutes, it was it yeah. like it was pretty wild. Actually, <laughs> hey, you guys aren't doing a aren't doing an anti you are, you aren't doing the free protest, speech, are you? <laughs> yeah, because you can't you can't do the free speech right outside of city hall. You gotta you gotta move move to the other place. Yeah, yeah. So. I think you know, getting back to to Amiano's point about uh, about property versus versus life, uh, you know, life is always always more important than property. And violence that takes a life uh, is not comparable to react the reaction that destroys a bunch of police cars or burns right. down a police precinct or uh, uh, sabotages some uh, construction equipment. Uh, I speak to what's happening in Atlanta right now, uh, right with the with the cop city. Um, you know, it's the status quo. Politic wants it to be the same, right? Right. Wants to wants to tell us it's the same, because then that that supports the status quo. That supports them. It supports it support it justifies the initial violence, right? Well. Uh, Harvey Milk's assassination was good because these gays are getting out of hand. Look, they've, right. yeah. they've burnt down, they've burnt dozens of police cars. Uh, they've broken the windows of, of City Hall. Uh, and that's that's what that narrative is designed to do. But they aren't they aren't equal. You know what? No right. amount of burned down you, police and cars. And you run in you <laughs> run into the problem of like the one side doesn't take that narrative they've written truly seriously, right? Right, of course not. Like, you may take it to heart and, like, internalize it, but the the people who are, like, feeding it to you do not. Right. Even a little bit. Yeah, it's all bad faith. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. And it's... we see that. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Repeatedly. Um. I uh, I appreciate that this movie pulls no punches about Harvey Milk's feelings about Diane Feinstein. <laughs> um, yeah, I I, re- I I I appreciate any anybody uh, doing a little work on on Feinstein. Frankly, yeah, yeah. always appreciate. Um, no, we was... should we vote? Should we vote again to, to make it humanist? Fuck no, we should not. <laughs> no. No, Absolutely, I think we're, I think we're fine. Well, it's also worth noting that, like, 
other minority leaders who were elected at the same time agreed, right? Like it wasn't just right. like uh like it's like, oh yeah, no, everybody had it's really fascinating to see how much a lot of people had her number fucking yeah. what, fifty fucking yeah. years ago. And I think I think one thing that I may have wanted to see more from in the film uh is that Feinstein is acting mayor during White Night. Right. Uh, and while mayor and police force are not always unanimous forces, and we can bet, see bet times in history. See, but yeah, this one was. <laughs> and and we are dealing particularly with uh, the thin blue line of uh, this protest is against uh, the, non, uh, the, uh, the lenient conviction of a uh, ex-cop, and there might be uh, there might be some solidarity there. Uh, I would appreciate more of a connection drawn out between the fact that Feinstein is technically in charge as we see these police. Right. Yeah. They, they, I, I do think they kind of dropped the ball on that a little bit. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it doesn't yeah. feel, now, uh, yeah. Now Feinstein is definitely a politician and say Harry Britt, who Feinstein appoints to replace milk on as supervisor. Um, is not a bad choice. Obviously, we we talk a little bit, I think, in the film or or in the bonus features that there are there are other choices that could have been made, and other choices that were being pushed for uh, by uh, Milk's circle uh, right. more than Brit was. But Brit is still an openly gay activist who is not looking at looking at his history and hearing him talk particularly in that one bonus feature uh he's aligned with milk's ideology right yeah it, yeah not, it does it does seem that way right like i yeah. i found his his bonus feature to be fairly compelling um yeah um it, and he works he worked with milk on the uh on the briggs initiative stuff too right you know they weren't right. He wasn't an outsider. He wasn't just some some random person that Feinstein picked. And he 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 might have been someone Feinstein felt she could control more than anyone else she might have picked. But we don't we don't necessarily have evidence that that's the reason he right. was picked either. So, um, I was particularly struck in his bonus feature uh, sharing that uh, the Briggs Initiative shared the ballot with a death uh, death penalty initiative that would have brought in the death penalty. Right and milk, milk to to the credit of milk being mindful of uh, the many communities that he was coalition building with, saying maybe we shouldn't be celebrating tonight because this death penalty also passed, and that's going to be bad for the poorer, blacker communities that we we represent as well. I have not in my life known very much about about Harvey Milk, really, honestly. Uh, mm -hmm. But like I am taken aback by how aware of sort of the you know the situation in the world he you know he was. It, it, yeah. I find that kind of astonishing, really. Um, yeah, because you and don't you don't yeah. think about that as like a thing that existed in the in the seventies. You know what I mean? You, obviously, it <laughs> right. is right clearly, but you know what I mean? Like it feels like it's it, it's it is both damning that that is a thing that exists in the 70s and it's still a thing that like 
isn't really universal now. But at the right. same time, it's also kind of heartwarming to know that, like, there were people who really, like, were paying attention to sort of the broader impacts of, like, polit- you know, on different communities and how different things might be more impactful to a different community. Even if it's not impacting you, it might be very impactful to another community. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's really interesting to see. Yeah. Um, as far as the interviewer, uh, interviewees in the in the film go, uh, Tom Amiano, obviously a highlight for me. Um, Amiano uh, actually went on to uh, serve in the California uh, state legislator for a very long time. Uh, you may recall the, uh, while uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor, uh, he issued a statement that was an acrostic that said, fuck you. Uh, that was aimed at Amiano. Uh, oh, interesting. <laughs> uh, he was... He was an agitator, <laughs> continues to be an agitator. Um, and, you know, while he has a political career, uh, hearing, hearing him speak, uh, it it does not seem like he's lost the fire he had as a young right. man working with milk and being interviewed in this. Um, Jim Elliott, the uh, auto machinist who was interviewed, um, one of the bonus features is, a, is called Postscript. He revisits everybody and lets them say one final thing about Milk's impact on their lives. Um, and Jim Elliott's bit in that is particularly about his daughter coming out to him. Yes, and, yeah. Uh, and it was, I think, for for the story arc we get of Jim Elliott in the film, that is that is a perfect ending. So I kind of wish it was in there, was actually right. in, the, in the text as opposed to the addendum, but, uh, but yeah, really great. Um, uh, but yeah, like I, like I said, the, uh, the people they picked to talk to, uh, just a really great, great mix of people. Uh, and, and as you pointed out, their particular responses on, the night of the White Knight riots, um, we get we get a plethora. We get yeah. We get we, re- we really saying, get like no violence both is po- good. Both, get, both ends of it. Yeah, yeah. it's which like get, I mean for me in. personally, I don't need the one side of it. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> right, but of course. Like, but, you know, but but it's important to know that there were those multiple sides, and right. I think it's I think it might be one of the one of the extended interviews. Uh, I can't remember who it was um let me see if i can find it real quick that's the hardest part about this this particular set is the fact that you find yourself going like wait what was in the movie and what was like not in the movie right 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 yeah that, i find that yeah, r- i cannot so keep it straight anymore like and i have no idea anymore yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's not like hard. a searchable database or some shit. Like it's just uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was it was Amber Hollow uh, Hollinger who is one of the one of the six extra interviews that we get, or right. Hollenbaugh rather, Amber Hollenbaugh, um, who talks about how she was the night of the night of White Night. She is one of the few people who is saying, "Well, uh, no, it's it's good to be mad, and we should do something with this anger." Instead of well, Harvey would want us to go home and and come back tomorrow and 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 work, 
not not fight tonight um and yeah uh, <laughs> i appreciate that's i just i just remember in 2020 i went to an event downtown where uh where somebody somebody speaking said what's the what's the strongest weapon we have and expected the crowd to answer voting right 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 uh, <laughs> Guns, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I appreciate I I appreciate hearing about other folks. I also didn't realize until with the bonus features actually that uh, the verdict came down the day before Harvey's birthday. Oh, really? Yeah. So the white. Uh, I think. I think. Um, I can't remember. I think it might have been Cleve Jones uh, talking in uh, in the extended interviews. Uh, but White Knight is May twenty first, and then the very next night they come back and have a vigil for Harvey's birthday, the twenty second. Wolf at at uh, at uh, City Hall, and that uh, and Jones talks about how you know he he was a known organizer. The police knew who he was. Uh, he had he had done peaceful marches prior, and uh, and he went to Feinstein and said, "We're going to do this, and we're going to do this at City Hall, and you cannot stop us." And, uh, and there will be no police here. Right. Um, and he talked, he he talked on white night. Uh, his interview is really fascinating because he he talks on white night that he was in contact with police at the beginning of the March on white night, uh, where it was, you know, when it was a vigil and, and walking down market street, they had a police escort to, (laughs) to city hall. And then, and then everything erupts later the evening. Right. Um, but yeah, then the then the birthday the the birthday observance the very next day. And he says there were definitely there were definitely cops everywhere, right? You know, right, right, hiding hiding right around the corner. Um, but I think it's him who talks about the night of the white of night white night. He he got home relatively early in the evening and the police were just going crazy. They were hitting, they were beating anyone on the streets. He said he, at one point in his kitchen, he had a straight couple who had no idea what was going on. Cause they'd just gone to see a movie at the Castro or something Jeez. and walked out and the police, the police attacked them. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That night was, <laughs> I mean, I, I would, I, I cannot I've said say this I'm before, surprised, but, but you know what I mean? Like, that's, the, this is not, like, surprising news exactly, right? Because yeah. we've seen what, you know, we have had examples of this sort of behavior very, very recently, right? Like, right. Of, like, yeah. oh, yeah, we're in full, we're going to just murder anybody we see on the street mode. Right, uh, right. And then, and then later on, people are going to, like, valorize that. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but the the idea that like somebody scheduled Dan White's verdict to be read, yeah, yeah, to for come sure. down the day before Harvey's birthday, um, and that I just 
that yeah that really but it does yeah of course right like i mean yeah. it feels like exactly what what is going to happen right like that's the way these things are done it, it's an it's an actual attack on on a community right, right. like yeah yeah that made me think of how uh how Darren Wilson's acquittal was announced after nightfall and how there are political there there are actual yeah you know, Darren Darren Wilson killed killed Michael Brown and right. watching watching the TV that night uh and Obama on the TV begging saying I uh, I don't want any violence tonight as uh, as I'm watching in a split screen with with uh, armored armored personnel vehicles firing uh, rubber bullets at reporters, uh, while while Obama's like I expect I expect a peaceful evening, uh, but the idea of that that they waited to announce it until after nightfall is a, is an obvious <laughs> obvious yeah no I mean on the, on yeah the state's of course part, yeah right yeah yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, just this movie made me think about a lot of, a lot of painful things. Right. Well, um, I mean, this, the thing about this movie is, is that like yeah. this movie, you know, the thing about it is, right. Is that like the things that happen in this movie are things that like have repeated time and time again in right, this, right, in right, our right. country. Right. Like it's, it does that it has this effect on people because you can very easily start to feel like, well, none of this ever changes, right? Like this is all the same thing that's happening now that's happened again and again and again. And it is right. Like it, it, it's not a feeling. It's a, it's a fucking stone cold hard fact. And that makes it worse. Right. Because the the part of the entire way the system is set up is to make you feel like it's a feeling rather than a fact, right? To make you treat it like, well, you know, you're just overreacting, you're just, you know, you're not being rational. Right. But all those things are just a way to keep you from doing the thing that is like actually probably right. the correct response to this. Yeah. But it's fifty it's fifty years of Oh, we're only worried about parents' rights, and it's fifty years of police yes, rights. God, I, that was so and upsetting. That was, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm glad it's in here, and it's wild to me because, um, well, frankly, like, you know, this movie that that stuff is so current and present that it's like, holy shit! Like, this person could see the future. <laughs> so, well, they can't. It's just nothing ever fucking changes. Right, right, right. But it feels yeah. so weirdly prescient, right? It's like, oh God, why, why is it still right. like this? One thing that's very interesting about about Mick, Milk's case, particularly, is that we can see we can see that it's not always forces of the state and forces of the status quo outright that keep things from changing. Like Dan White's Dan White's murder of Harvey Milk. Um, you know, obviously, obviously, the court found it was not premeditated. Whatever that's <laughs> how you that, which how you is, look yeah, at the facts is presented, right? As, it is that essentially an irrelevant but, like <clears throat> right. thing. Because but I'm not looking, like, yeah, whatever. 
I'm not looking for justice from the from the system because I know that the the, the system is not designed to provide justice, particularly right. for people like Harvey Milk, right? Um, but uh, but the backlash, you know, it wasn't Anita Bryant who killed Harvey Milk. It wasn't it wasn't Briggs who killed Harvey Milk. It wasn't uh, anyone anyone part of the the uh, the religious right, the the Christian coalition who killed Harvey Milk. It was Dan White whose argument with Milk was much more vocalized, but it was still enough, right? And it was still it was still it was still a white grievance, whatever whatever else it might have right. been. Right. Well that's that's where you get right? down to this thing, right? Is that like you, me, we all know what this thing is, right? Like we're not Yeah. It's not fooling anybody, right? Like it's not or alternatively it's just enough cover, right? Like it's that like, well, you know, the people who would actively ha like who actively want him dead are not the people who are enact who did this thing, but they sure are as shit the people who like talked it up const who like created the environment, right? Right. Um, and that's what we just always keep running into, right? It's like, oh, well, I didn't say anybody should go out and do this thing. Right. Like, but I sure did, sure as shit did make it seem like, right. you know, and the thing I truly believe, which is like, you know, all gay people deserve to die. Yeah. And, and Dan White shares some, shares some uh, less than stellar opinions, right? Right. Yes. Yes. We do Talks encounter about, many of his less than stellar opinions in the right. movie. But, uh, and he is he is someone with an amount of political power. But what what he actually does here isn't, um, you know, he's not acting as the state. Like the CIA didn't didn't feed Dan White uh, ideas or something like that. You know. It's well, and that's an and, but that always comes back. down to the but fact that like, the be, CIA right. doesn't have to, right? Like, right, right. That's not the, how the system actually has to work because yeah. that's not necessary, right? And that's true for MLK, and that's true for for right. So many people have been killed for for saying, "Hey, uh, a better world is possible," um, even as the Supreme Court this past month has declared that a better world is illegal. Uh, yes, it is. But it being illegal doesn't make it impossible. Just means no, and in reality, like yeah, we yeah. got to use different tools. Uh, I mean, it one does, of those tools is probably burning police cars. So. Yeah, I mean, it does seem it does it does very quickly seem to get garner reaction. I will say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. of course, you know the reaction is often like a bunch of people hand wringing and then like sort of like seeing if there's like something they can give away that they don't actually give away and then they immediately withdraw within seconds right like that's just the, gotta that's the game but just gotta, you gotta out keep next burning time. them as often as humanly possible you, you gotta come out next time and vote for a candidate who who won't be assassinated or be an assassin right right that's, that's really what you gotta do um but yeah uh, it was actually speaking of Dan White's and Dan White's uh, political opinions. Uh, it was interesting to see that uh, his particular stance articulated within the film uh, against gay rights was hinged on trans panic. It was 
Uh, yes, his articulation was. was it of it was explicitly. Well, you're gonna. Well, have, it's just uh, we we exist male in a teachers time that they come would, in wearing dresses, right? Right. It, we uh, exist in a time here, which which many people never left, right? Which is like there is no discernible difference that exists here, and that and all that matters is is the vilification, right? Like that's all it right, really, right, 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 really yeah. matters. Yeah. But I think I think it does matter that the particular vilification for fifty years has also been, well, we'd be all right if, you know, love is love, love whoever you want inside your own house, which has never actually been true because criminalization of sexual acts within your own home have have been on the books for for just as long. Right. I mean, it's it's but, literally one of the oldest things, but, right? Like as far as this kind of stuff is concerned. Yeah. But why why do you gotta put it in my face and uh, and. Uh, you know, uh, why do you got to challenge gender norms in front of my children as if that is that is the the straw too far is right. Someone assigned male at birth wearing a dress in public. Uh, yeah, it's just. Yeah, when it, when he said that, you know, there's just so much. There's the parents rights thing with the Briggs initiative and then Dan White with uh with that, that that I was just like nothing nothing has changed no literally um, yeah it and it, it kind of blew my mind i i it, right. it I, I knew it like on a on an intellectual level but it was also like oh wow yeah. when and we I say nothing's that, changed I, we mean like literally nothing has changed yeah and i do mean that only as the rhetoric hasn't changed that that there has been we, movement there has been movement rights have been rights have been won rights have been taken away again well that's uh, the thing right is that like at the same time yeah like there's been movement certainly with regards to like popular opinion right like right within with regards like many of these issues at this point as far as like the population writ large is concerned are non-issues right like right we're no longer dealing with a like you go and ask a random person, you have n- no idea which side they'll come down on, or you suspect they'll probably come down on the on the wrong side, right? We're kind of past that. Right. Um, uh, alas, that doesn't actually afford you any political power. Right, right. As it turns out, the opinion of the public is basically irrelevant. Um, yeah. So... Um, I think it was Amiano who said um, in the in the film, you know, we turned over the, assass- uh, the assassination investigation. You know, we turned it over to a system that in many ways was responsible for the assassination. Right. Um, and again, you know, just thinking about, you know, Dan, again, Dan's not acting on orders from higher up or anything, but he's still the system is responsible for that assassination. Well, I mean, the system is responsible, uh, and it's also worth noting that, like, um, like, <laughs> it kind of goes beyond the, that, right? Like, the system is is do- designed to produce Dan Whites, right? It is designed right. to make them and make sure that they will eventually do the violence that they're going to do. Right. And the interviews with Dan's neighbors about were all the same, the same interviews we always get of, I seem like such a great guy. Yeah, like the, the, ni- the nicest guy, quiet, and, and the defense anything. falling back on on good people from good backgrounds don't commit murders. 
uh, is just so. <laughs> don't commit premed. Uh, uh, yeah, don't commit or, yes. premeditated murders, right? Because yes, they do. They do even clarify actually toward the end of. The, they have uh, to, right? Because he did, yeah. in fact, commit a murder. Like <laughs> yes, there's no <laughs> doubt in in the, that part of the facts. Yeah, toward the end of that panel discussion, I think one of them says, uh, "You know, good people from good backgrounds don't uh, don't commit uh, assassinations." I think is how he clarifies it. Um, but one, yes, and two, good people from good backgrounds is completely empty language. That means nothing. That doesn't right. Like, well, no, I mean it has like a meaning. The meaning yeah. is white white boys. Like like right right right. Like we all know. I mean the and the yeah, and the and very importantly right. the uh the 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 jury knows what good people from good backgrounds means. Right. Uh, and uh, it is complicit in that, right? Like they they understand it, and that that statement alone is enough, right? Like the the trial essentially didn't have to happen, right? Because they had enough information right there, right? And one thing the assistant district attorney or deputy district attorney, who's part of that panel discussion, points out, um, because he is. As the district attorney, he is there to to argue the the state's case in as much as this is being relitigated, and he points out that you know the uh, the district attorney at the time played into the defense during jury selection uh, to because all of the all of the people that in a capital case you don't want to be on the jury uh, as a defense <laughs> as as the defense. Uh, or as as the prosecutor, rather, all of the people who are more liberal leaning, who are against the death penalty, who uh, uh, have something in common with the uh, with the murderer, uh, you know, they he ended up with a jury that only had things in common with Dan White, actually, right? Uh, because by eliminating the death penalty, you know, people against the death penalty or qualms about the death penalty. Is we eliminating a wide swath of the people who were uh, who were sympathetic to Harvey Milk? Uh, you know, just certainly that that jury had no gay people on it, um, and that obviously, uh, and they were eliminated because, uh, uh, you know, obviously defense wants them eliminated, but the the prosecutor also would want them eliminated because prosecutors want conservative status quo people on juries because those are the people who give prosecutors the the answers they want from juries usually right who, who essentially sign blank checks right like yeah <clears throat> right right and in this case those those sorts of people signed off on dan white's murder and that is that is true very often throughout uh you know to the point where Certain grand jury prosecutions in the last five, ten years, one might say uh, that the prosecutor clearly did not want to actually want a prosecution, right? Given yes, yeah. the makeup of the people they chose to be on and the evidence they presented. Um, yeah, and you know, I don't. No one makes that accusation about the prosecution here, except Amiano does point out we turned this over to the very ideologies that were responsible for the assassination to begin with. Right. right. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, man. 
obviously it's a very heavy film um and so much of the third act is is the riots which is good uh yes it needs it to be prominent i appreciate that the film ends with uh with milk in his own words so often um with with the speech about holding on to hope and acknowledgement that you can't live on hope alone but without hope life's not worth living right um and i also appreciate i was really i was really uh touched um during that speech he shares about a young gay person who has written to him to thank him for being out for being uh for being seen uh and that kid's from altoona pennsylvania uh, yep and that is where my family is from uh for for like 200 years that is where my family is from the area in and around altoona pennsylvania is where uh the glasses and their their relatives have lived the glasses have continuously lived in one of the funniest named places on earth. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Um all tuna. Um but yeah. Yeah, so, you know, just uh to a weird little personal note, I wonder if I I wonder if I'm related to whoever wrote that letter. Um possible. Yeah. Um imagining any of my my father or his brothers as uh, still being deeply in the closet uh, doesn't make sense to me, but also I'm, I'm terrible at clocking that stuff. So who knows? Um, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that is one of those, uh, the things about being very, very deeply in the closet, right? Is that like, right, 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 right. It's right. meant to be very hard. It's that's the, that's the purpose. Uh, and that's also the desired result, right? Like that is what the, what is desired of, people who are in you know what I mean who are deeply in the closet in those kind of like conservative communities right is yes be in the closet stay in the closet you don't exist right. yeah yeah and the beauty the beauty of what uh what milk is pushing for is come out if it's safe to do so but you have to come out in order to make it safe to do so uh, for for the rest of everybody, because it is only it is only the safety in numbers. It is only the recognition that uh, oh, I do know this person and this person and this person who who are gay. Um, that creates a society that wants gay people to have rights, and of course, the danger of that that we see very much in Harvey Milk's life itself is the pushback and the swing back, and. Uh, and the swing back that gets very violent. Uh, yeah. Not just rhetorically violent. Um, of trying to push people back into the closet. Uh, well, and, and, you know, I not, you know, it's done a lot of bad things in this world. But one of the beauties of, like, what the Internet has been able to accomplish is, like, teaching people that they have a, that a community exists. Right. Uh that like wouldn't have access to any like any sort of community that they could identify in their immediate neighborhood, right? Like in their immediate right. area, right? And that's you know there's something kind of amazing about that, and and a lot of that depends on like this time and place, right? Like right because those communities wouldn't exist online or places like that otherwise. 
without sort of people making a lot of you know causing a lot of sort of you know havoc and and sort of making themselves known and 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 putting themselves out there right right um, yeah and you know it's very we're two cis white guys right cis yes. hetero white guys um so you know it's it's kind of similar to when I talk about pacifism, you know. I'm right. You, I'm a, you, we I'm a cis hetero white where, guy who yeah. is who is six foot five and two hundred and seventy five pounds. Uh, I can be a pacifist because no one's challenging my safety for a variety of reasons, not not just not just white privilege, uh, but also that is a big part of it too. It is a big part of it, but but I can look threatening. Um, so. Yeah, I. And I don't want to pretend that Milk is one hundred percent correct because that he is. He's advocating doing this despite the backlash, right? Not he's not ignorant that there would be a backlash. I mean, he records he records a tape that says, uh, "If I'm assassinated, play this." Uh, right. You know, he he expects to be assassinated he expects that someone saying the things he is saying in the position he is saying them will be assassinated and the things he is saying in the position he is saying them is someone with a mild amount of political power in one of the larger cities of the of the country saying it's okay to be gay uh and he's expecting to be killed for it and he is so like right yeah i mean you know he's there's, I think, there's a fair amount of nuance to to what he is saying there, right? Like he is very clearly aware that there are pla- when you are in a place where it is safe for you to do to right to talk talk. If it, you know, he's not advocating that like he's not a- advocating for like radical declosing or some crazy thing well, like that that would get people killed. No, I don't think so though, right? He's he's not. But I do want to mention. I don't know that it makes it into the movie, but it is one in one of the bonus features. Part of that tape. He says, if a bullet goes through my brain, may it go through every closet door. May it blow away every closet door, rather. May it destroy every closet door is what he means, rhetoric, in the rhetoric. There. Right, and that's still, but that's still a rhetorical argument about, like, the idea yeah. that, like, people, you know, it, it is not an indication that, like, it, it sh- that people should be forcefully outed. You know what right, I mean? Right. Like, Certainly. Right. It's a very important to, it's very important to distinguish that that fact, okay? Right? right. You know what I mean? Like this is this is a key fact. Uh that that is not an argument for for like people being t- you know pushed out of the closet, right? But it is a hope that like, you know, that even in sort of his martyrdom he could accomplish something, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, man. Uh, yeah, it's hard, man. And and thinking, you know, I know so many trans people who um, have ended up in Columbus because it was not safe to be where they were. Right. Exactly. Uh, and there's one thing... Uh, Talking about the Briggs Initiative, 
that that milk says you know um i think it's uh i think it's in one of the bonus features is just a collection of his of his speeches that were recorded um he says if we can do it here you can do it in cincinnati um and names a couple other like midwest cities um and uh, and i hope that that's true uh, but I don't know that that's true. <laughs> and I know that the, the trans people I know in my day-to-day life um, do not have it easy in Columbus, even if they have it easier than their hometowns. Right. right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, what I think, though, the fascinating thing that goes to show, though, right, is that, like, in, in the sense... In, Boy, this is gonna be this is gonna be a hard and complicated line of maybe a little bit complicated line of reasoning, but like he is correct in some ways, right? Like again, when we talk about like popular opinion with regards to homosexuality in mm-hmm. the United States, it is accepted in Cincinnati too at this point. You know what I mean? Like the battle for like people's like quote unquote hearts and minds has essentially been won. Mm-hmm. Like, for you know, a, a 15% of people being against it is essentially an irrelevant number. You're talking about a, non, a non-entity as far as, like, actual, like, opinion is concerned, right? Mm-hmm. And so in some ways, right, he's correct, right? Like, but he's not because that, again, American political action doesn't in any way rely on popular opinion, right? Like... He's wrong in the sense that, like, no, yeah, you are not going to win Cincinnati because that's – you can't, essentially. The system's not set up to let you win Cincinnati in terms of, like, actual political power. Right. But it is set up to let – but that 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 political opinion also, the flip side of not giving a shit about popular opinion means that, like, popular opinion doesn't give a shit about you. Right. And so – the people go a totally separate direction than than the sort of the way their government goes, um, and that that can be true for trans people too, right? Like that fight is the same fight, right? Like that's the same fight, and like you can eventually win over quote unquote the hearts and minds. You probably never win over the political system because again, not designed to give a shit about anybody's right. opinion other than the people who wield massive amounts of power. <laughs> Right, right, right. And, you know, we've we live in a system where the individual opinions of the of the functionaries within that system don't even really matter because the system itself is built to be Right. It's it the whole thing is designed like that from the top down and, and, right. and therefore like you know, it I mean, it does give a shit when those opinions align with a sort of like systemic like it only gives a shit when it like works in their favor, right? Like it's like that that whole argument about the people who didn't want to certify gay marriages, right? Like the the county clerks and stuff, right? Right. Suddenly, the system gives a lot of shit about like their opinions when like it aligns with what those who wield a lot of power actually want. Right now, right, public right. opinion now public opi- like individual opinions are massively important. Right. But like we all you know we all know how this works, but so. I know that, but that's also you know I, I understand that's a hollow victory, right? Like a victory over over the hearts and minds of a majority of your fellow citizens is not really. I mean, it's a nice. I guess it's nice to have, right? It's better than not yeah. having it, I guess. 
because at least maybe you won't be like murdered, right? Or or maybe right. less likely to be murdered. Um, again, the system's set up so that you know you probably, you probably still will be because those that fifteen percent will feel entirely entitled to to do said murder and and know that they will face no consequences because again, system not designed to to do anything anything useful or good. Right, right, right. But, uh, you know, I mean, the, the point is, like, you know, it's, it's I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm just saying, like, he has an argument that is not entirely right. inaccurate. It just doesn't pass the test of, like, having any practical benefit in the, in the sort of political sense, only in the social sense. Yeah. One of the bonus features is called the Dan White Case News Clips. And it is a collection of, of archival footage of Dan White from the news. Uh, and one of the things in that is Feinstein at a press conference or something being asked about the verdict. And her initial response, as clipped together by Rob Epstein, who you know is putting together all of these pieces right for Criterion, um, her initial response is, I think this is a major verdict. Uh, Amazing. I think a jury did a thing. Yes. Uh, and she goes on to to talk about how the diminished capacity defense is a slippery a, a slippery slope um, that uh, that eventually anyone could claim because because as accurately, um, you know, uh, you know the way we talk about mass murderers um, as being obviously insane because a sane person wouldn't do that. Uh, you know, it's also not true. It's not insane. They're they're not they're not diminished to capacity, and and we have, you know, uh, <laughs> but yeah, she's making that argument that that anyone could say they had diminished capacity, um, and she promises that Dan White will be punished, um, which isn't untrue because Dan White punished himself uh, eventually because because Dan White didn't get help right. Dan White was not put into uh, a system that wanted to rehabilitate him. Dan White right. spent five years in prison and only five years in prison. And maybe one, I understand arguments for justice that say he should have been in prison longer. But during those five years in prison, he didn't receive any, uh, any help, any psychological help, any, anything to, uh, if he actually was depressed. And I believe he actually was depressed. Uh, well, I mean, honestly speaking, if, like uh, his actions that lead up to it do point to like depression, right? Like, yeah, mean, like absolutely. He, 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 the reason he's we're in this position in the first place is he suddenly resigns from the position, right? Complete, like, complete rash, rash decision, right? Right, Classic. and then he immediately needs to like try to like yeah. course correct and fix that problem, right? And that's like where we fo- how we find ourselves in this position, right. just classic out of the gate, right? Classic man- manic behavior, right there, right? In just and, the and moment, so before, right. You know, you get into this sort of thing that, like, that's not, you know, it sure would be nice if we had a mental health system, wouldn't it? Right. Yeah. Like, sure would. Wouldn't that be fancy if we treated people who need mental help? Like, uh, but like you know, that's also not like you know, that's not that kind of 
depression is not also necessarily a, a, a give people rights to commit murders, right? But it does indicate right. that like people should maybe have been able to receive mental health crisis like help, you know, easily. I mean, oh, well. Uh, well, Reagan was governor of California. He did what he did on a national level as soon as he became president and defunded the mental institutions uh, as a governor first and then as president. And, you know, I'm not. Dan White is also a person who probably would not have sought psychological help. Right. Well, then that's, you know, that was more given the nature of his position and the time. Right. That's yes. That's part of the problem. Right, though. But it is also it is also a problem that he lived in a society that was devaluing that not just not just as a manliness thing, but also on on an economic, on a financial state and national level. Um, So, you know. And we we don't live in a society that actually wants to rehabilitate criminals. We especially don't live in a society that functionally wants to rehabilitate, um, or or help. Not even necessarily rehabilitate, because the idea that you know there's something to rehabilitate too. We live in a system that doesn't doesn't want people like Dan White to have help, but also a system a society that discourage discourages people like Dan White particularly from seeking help, right, or from from even thinking that they have a problem until it's a defense, right? And that's really, you know, at the time, I think that's really where where the defense was making good arguments, but arguments that I, I perfectly well understand weren't, weren't catching because the arguments the defense made for Dan White were arguments that only get made for white guys. That only right, get absolutely, made, yes. Yeah, that only, that only carry weight when they're made for white guys. Because Feinstein's right that if we expect diminished capacity defense for for Dan White, then anyone can argue it, uh, and lots of people would try to argue it. I don't know that that's necessarily true. That lots of people did try to argue it because the courts aren't going to accept it from more, most people. Yeah, it, right? there's a very specific class of people who get to argue it. There's plenty, there's other classes that would that can. Yeah, uh, because I you know although. You know, they actually can stop you from making, choosing certain defenses. Right. Even though you should, in theory, be allowed to make any defense you you deem necessary. Uh, right. They, as it turns out, can just tell you, no, you're not allowed to do that one. Right, right, right. Uh, which is which is a fun little quirk of, of American law, right? But, like, I mean, either way, it, it even if one assumes that they can act anybody can make a defense without like for example a judge stepping in and telling you no you're not allowed to do that one um even then what the we all know what practically is true with regards to like what kinds of people juries will accept that defense from right right so for all you know as far as the system is concerned there is only one class of people that actually gets to make that defense right yeah, and Dan White is firmly within that class. Right? Yes, absolutely. You know, and another smart thing that the the district attorney says in that panel discussion um, that the that the the defense attorneys do push back against smartly, maybe not rightly, but smartly. Um, one thing he does point out is that Dan White's a former cop, so like when he 
when he makes that confession tape, he's talking to people who are friendly to him. Right. Right. Whether or not he personally knows them, he's talking to people who are friendly to him. Um, whereas, you know, anyone else, uh, the police do not treat you as friends in interrogation situations, right? Unless they're, uh, unless they're trying to trick you. <laughs> right. Great. This is, this reminds me of missing actually, uh, in that the bonus features are so many hours longer than the film, but so important, so beautiful to have. Right. Uh, where where a Criterion release actually feels like an archive being handed to me. Uh, right. It, 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 unfortunately, that can be a bit overwhelming when you get oh, into yeah, like certainly. what we're <laughs> trying to do here. here. Right. I think as yeah. far as a like an actual release, they've done a really phenomenal job here of providing. Like, man, you get a lot for your you know quote unquote money. <laughs> right. When right. you buy the Times of Harvey Milk, you know what I mean. You get a a truly valuable thing. Um, alas, for us, it's it's a sort of it's a it's the monkey paw has the fingers have curled on us here. Right, 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 right. And it's like, oh god, please set us free. Uh, there's four hours of extra materials in this fucking DVD. Um, yeah, so our lives, man. Yeah, you know, someday we'll. Uh... We'll make it through this, maybe. No, 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 we won't. We'll just die, and then, <laughs> and then the sweet release of death will set us free. Yeah. Well, Rob Epstein continues to make uh, documentaries that uh, are probably not as available as the Times of Harvey Milk, but do seem very interesting, and mostly about, you know focused on uh, LGBTQ culture. Um. He did make one fiction film. Well, not fiction film, but one narrative film. Um, uh, he directed 2010's Howl, the biopic on Allen Ginsberg, uh, starring uh, James Franco as well. Um, which, uh, <laughs> I mean, probably works for him, given narratively what he's doing. But just very interesting that after working for 40 years, uh, 30 years, he makes one one narrative film. Right. Um, but we'll never see anything again from him unless Hal gets added to the Criterion Collection at some point. I can imagine more of his documentaries being released in like an Eclipse set, assuming Eclipse sets even still get released. But uh, Nobody knows the answer to that question, Adam. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's true. Uh, but yeah, this week we've been talking about The Times of Harvey Milk, which... Even the film itself, the bonus features obviously add a lot to this, but even the film itself, I think, is important, not just uh, for knowing who Harvey Milk is and, and what he did, but, um, and, you know, obviously it, it, it focuses a lot on the assassination, um, but the title is important. It is the times of Harvey Milk, not like the life of Harvey Milk. It is about Milk and his existence within his time and place, uh, but also about his organizational paradigm. And I think we can learn from his organizational paradigm. Yes, I, I yeah, uh, I agree. And I think, I think for that, I recommend uh, anyone to watch it, even if it is uh, sad because it's about a guy getting killed. Um, but yeah, fantastic film. So happy to have watched it. Uh, next week, uh, switching gears, as we always do, coming back from a documentary, um, we'll be watching Topsy Turvy. 
Uh, Mike oh, right. Lee's yes. uh, Mike Lee's biopic of Gilbert and Sullivan writing the Mikado. And then the week after that, we get to watch a film version of the Mikado. Uh, so isn't that exciting? But, yeah. Oh, yeah. we That's the word we use for this is exciting. <laughs> exciting. Exciting. Uh, Pat is not looking forward to discussing the Mikado particularly. I just have uh, a feeling. I think it's yeah. a it's considering I think it's a well-founded feeling. Oh, probably. Uh, but so, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Topsy Turvy next week. Another another one with a whole lot of uh, the movie itself Just, is is nearly three hours as opposed then, to the bonus feature bonus being three hours. Right, but, yeah. but yeah, a whole lot connected to it. Um, but yeah, look forward to that. Uh, this week, it was the Times of Harry Milk by Rob Epstein. 1984. Thank you so much for listening to Lost in 1989. I'm as always Liam Glass. With me as always John Patrick Rogari Dorgan and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. has been Lost in Criterion, hosted by me, Adam Glass. Find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My co-host is John Patrick Ovatari Dorgan. You can find him on Twitter at jpatrickdorgan. Big thanks to Jonathan Hape for our theme song. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service. Also, thanks to all our Patreon supporters, iTunes reviewers, and Redbubble customers. And hey, thank you for listening. <laughs>